Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's film reviews and movie news. And joining me for it, the man who taught me with great power comes great big expensive energy bills. It's Mark Searby. <laughs> it does. It does. I can. Yes, it's true. Yes, you, oh. see, you see, my wisdom uh, is imparted to you, and you're finally taking this in that, yes. With great power, is very expensive. Electricity and gas bills. You're much yes. better off just just leave the pat with there. Go candles sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> just don't leave them running overnight. Uh, do blow them out before yes, you go no, to bed. That's it, the most. This is very true. Thing. Yes, absolutely. And don't get too many scented ones that don't complement each other. Yes, that yes, idea. that's very true. Yes, yes, we have that in our house. The other half very much likes a smelly candle. Um, me, yeah, not yeah. so much. Not so much. It's nice when they work together. If something, you know, jasmine, wild berry, and vanilla, just too much, isn't it? I, I have no idea what you said there. I don't know what all of that means. <laughs> I just know it as a candle. That's it. I leave yeah, the smell. Yeah, just an orange the... one. Right. Yeah, yeah, Purple that's one. it. That's it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> your your slight uh, interpretation of the iconic Spider-Man uh, thing there is uh, obviously timely. Um, yes, I because, thought so. Yes, yeah, it's not just thrown together this year. No, it's not. You're right. You're right. You're putting this together at least 15 there minutes are, before you go on. At least five minutes. Prep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, perfect timing because we have a new Spider-Man film uh, in cinemas. Now, ha- have you seen the other two starring Tom Holland? Have I seen the other two? I was practically lived them. Right. Yes, I have. I have. <laughs> I can see you as the Green Goblin, to be honest. I can see it. I can see it, yes. Um, good, good. I, I mean, the reason I ask that is because, obviously, I think Tom Holland has really proved himself a worthy Spider-Man over the past couple of films. Uh, you know, they, yeah. I think he's turned into a very good web-slinger. And they are different to, obviously... Andrew Garfield's versions and Tobey Maguire's versions as well. Um, this is, these are slightly different. Now we've got Spider-Man No Way Home, which obviously is set after the events of the previous film, where, slight spoiler alert, but it is a few years old, and we are going to have to say this, um, that Spider-Man's identity has been revealed. So Peter Parker uh, in this Peter film... Parker. Peter Parker. Parker no. asks... Oh. Doctor Strange for help. When they do a spell, it goes wrong. Disastrous foes from other worlds start to appear. Ooh. Yeah. They missed with the time. Continuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so with this film, it basically doubles and triples down on Spider-Man. And I thought it was a huge amount of fun because of what it does. I will say, do you know what? I will say this, actually, that there is a lot of fan service being performed in this film. There yeah. are moments in this film that will have people screaming out loud at what they are seeing in a good way because they are really great moments. Um, and it does, on some level, feel very much like it is aimed at the hardcore Spider-Man fans who, who you know, read the comics, Remember watched the all the stuff. films. Yeah, watched the TV show, the anime, and all of that. Um, so it does feel very fan-serving, under the surface. However, I think that this film offers more than enough entertainment for anybody and everybody, regardless of if you're a hardcore fan or not, because it is so exhilarating. What we have with this film is a question that Peter Parker is now being asked, which is, uh, which is he's now asking of himself and obviously of Doctor Strange as well, is that now the genie is out the bottle, 
how do I get it back in? You know, yeah. because basically he doesn't want the world to know he's Peter, uh, he's Spider-Man. That's the point of it. He's um, a quite unassuming chap. Exactly. And his world has exploded. He yeah. just wants to go to Harvard. That's all it is. Um, and Spider-Man, his alter ego, he just wants to, uh, he, he just wants, you know, a, a handful of people to know who it is. But obviously it's too late for that. So in comes Doctor Strange to help. I was a little bit worried that it did seem a case of bringing in another Marvel character in order to bulk out the big characters in the film. You know, for example, the first Spider-Man film had yeah. Iron Man in it. They do that like to sort of cross over the Edge of Avengers. Yeah, and I was kind of like, look, Spider-Man's a good character on its own. We don't need the Avengers turning up all the time. Um, <laughs> however, I, I think it was done very well. It's not without a few small faults, yet if you're going to go with it, you'll greatly enjoy it. And I went with it every step of the way because I was enjoying it so much. Um, then by the time the... Uh, dangerous enemies, dangerous foes from other worlds come into the film, it starts to flip between all comedy or all action. And I thought it worked on both levels. I laughed a lot at Peter and MJ and Ned uh, and others who I'm not going to mention. Oh, we love Ned. Yeah, we all love Ned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought they were all really funny in this. There's others that I won't mention who I thought were very funny as well. Um, Cool. I was entertained by the action, which I felt had been dialed up a little bit more compared to the previous couple of films. You know, the last film obviously finished uh, in London, had a finale with drones. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that was good finale. This one I feel like has gone bigger uh, and it culminates in a big spectacular finale um, that kind of is all hands on deck in terms of the action that's going on. Um so I, I was really enjoy. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, going back to that phrase, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. I think with this film, more than the other two films, it feels much more fitting because this is this is a movie where Peter Parker has to grow up. You know, the the, the other two are coming of age movies. Yeah, this, one, this is the the one. This is the one. He now has to come of age. He he that this is what he's got to do. So, you know, the the great responsibility is his now. He can't palm it off on anybody else. So I think that's kind of interesting. We now have a Spider-Man movie where he has come of age. Mm. This is it. Um, spider boy becomes spider man. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It is a spider man emphasis on the man part of it rather than as you said boy or teenager or whatever else it is. Um Yeah. You know, regardless of the fan service in this film, and there is a lot, don't get me wrong, I I didn't particularly care because I was having such a good time with it. You know, for me, I think this film is in the upper echelons of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Uh, You know, I think it deserves to be talked about alongside the Avengers, Captain America, Civil War, um, Ant-Man, you know, the, the, the really good stuff, the, the high watermarks of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, it's not lost on me that this actually isn't made by Marvel. Uh, it's actually made by Sony in a co-production with Marvel, which is kind of interesting. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, from start to finish, this is an absolute blast. An absolute blast. And it's not lost on me that... In a year where the Marvel movies have come out and, 
you know, they've, they've been pretty good. We've reviewed some good ones. You know, been a Black few, Widow, yeah. Shang-Chi, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I still haven't seen Eternal, so I'm waiting to see that. Um, it's not lost on me that the best Marvel movie of the year is made by Sony and not Disney. Wow. It's a tangled web they're weaving there. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> also, I must say this as well. Uh, I mean, you may already know this anyway. Do stay through the credits. There is a mid credit sequence which ties into the film. And then oh, yeah. there is something right at the end, which you will want to stay for anyway. Oh, they're still doing that. Oh, they are still doing it, which is weird because, as I said, so this is a Sony movie. It's not a, it's not, you know, it's not yeah, made yeah. by Disney. Um, but the, the mid credit sequence is, is really clever. And the end one is something else, something else. I, w- I won't say what it is because, you know, look, if you want to know what it is, you can find it online. You know, it's been spoiled everywhere. Um, no, 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 no. Just exactly. I was exactly the same. I went into it and, and you know, we, we all knew stay till the end. Um, what, and we stayed till the end. And, and it was worth it. Fab. So good then that you can pick up on these Easter eggs and uh, nods to the hardcore fans. Uh, yes. that you don't have to be a hardcore fan. To no, get you don't. You don't. You're right. I think that's the good thing. Um, is that if you've just seen the previous Spider-Man movies, Spider-Men movies, whatever it is, um, you'll you'll get a lot of this. You get a lot of it. I heard somewhere that Tom Holland said something about the fact he's not going to do any more films after this. Well, that's a good question. There has been rumours that he's been signed for three more movies, but nobody knows if he's been signed by Sony or if he's been signed by Disney. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. And honestly, if (laughs) (laughs) if this is his final movie as Spider Man, then I think he has gone out right at the top. I mean, they've all been very good, but this is, you know, this is the the, the best of the three. Amazing! Out now in cinemas everywhere, all over the place. Indeed, indeed. Excellent. Uh, now for something slightly different. Something different. This is only on Apple TV. It's called Swan Song. It is set in the near future where Cameron Turner is diagnosed with a terminal illness. Presented with an experimental solution to shield his wife and son from grief, he grapples with altering their fate. Oh. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, you've seen the trailer for this, and I had seen the trailer before watching the film, and I thought, oh, romantic science fiction film. Clever. Yes. Interesting. I mean, I guess you could call many science fiction movies romance as well. You know, Blade Runner's got a romance running through it, really. <laughs> yes, um, it is. You know, there's lots Star of that. Wars. Star Wars, silent running. You know, so I guess you could call that. However, with Swan Song, it is much more about the love and the loss than actually about the artificial intelligence. So it's, it's mm. about trying to make the right choice, or at least what some of us would think is the right choice. So Cameron is given this opportunity to basically recreate himself in the form of an AI and his family would be none the wiser. So, Ooh. yeah. So, Comes back you know, to Siri. It, well, well, kind <laughs> of, but they, but they implant him. That's the thing. So it would mean oh. uploading his entire memory to this AI for them to be able to reference which then sort of veers the narrative towards an almost total recall-esque type story, but obviously without the action. Yeah. So, uh, mm. But instead, the film is laden with a lot of exposition, 
a lot of nothingness in the scenes. It's quite a dull experience on the whole. I mean, great cast, you know, Mahershala Ali, yeah. Naomi Harris, both at the centre of it. But I just, they, even they, who are great actors, couldn't, you know, punch up this script um, and direction that is severely on the dull side. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, I, I think the idea in the film that, Cameron is never really sure if it's if he is his true self or the AI, even though Glenn Close's doctor explains how he can tell himself apart, is is one that is, you know, that has been done to death in science fiction for decades. Uh, yeah, that's a bit tropey, isn't it? it? It is, you know, and I keep saying to you when we review movies about AI that this who am I has been done for decades. It needs to be moved on. You know, now the conversation needs to be moved on about how humans and AIs can coexist, which Blade Runner 2049 did. It moved on the conversation to the point that we should now be talking about real life because AIs do really exist in real life. That's the thing. We've all seen the videos online yeah. of you know scary AIs where you're like, wow, okay. Um, I talk to you every week and no one would know. Exactly. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. This is the thing. <laughs> Which one of us is AI? Exactly. <laughs> but instead, the film lags behind on the main conversation that it's trying to take part in. Instead of pushing the boundaries. The other issue is that it seems to keep repeating itself time and again. I mean, it's fine to explain Cameron's story once or twice. I get that. But it does go over the same ground a lot. I was thinking, we've been told this. This is just being a two-hour film. That's a bit frustrating. Exactly. And you're thinking, yeah, we've done this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you just turned that because the AI way. did it, and then the person did it. Well, that's the thing is <laughs> is that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I get it. So I'm afraid, you know, it, it's a big problem for the film. It really is. I just found it very dull, without anything really of note. I mean, it is quite forgettable. This film. That's a shame because it sounds like from the trailer and the little read up, it looked like a good idea. It did. I completely just... agree. You know, I looked at it and thought, quite a. I mean, it looks a very clinical movie. You know, yeah. everything is very bright colours, uh, not much surrounding them either. You know, it's not a cluttered movie. And I'm a big fan of Mahershala Ali and Naomi Harris, actually, to be fair. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's just nothing there. Nothing there. Oh, so, one Song, hit a few bum notes. Oh, oh <laughs> so, coming up, we've got a, uh, a Christmas movie. We have, yes. Gets in the, the spirit. Um, better make sure we catch it because it's the last. Uh, is it actually? Is it the last one? I think it is the last one. It is the last one. Yes. <gasps> oh, yes. My God. Perfect timing. Yes. We'll do that in a minute. Then I'll get my jumper on. We're gonna need Christmas jumpers. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's film reviews and movie news. Mark Searby's still with me, and uh, we are about to board. The Last Train to Christmas. What a title. I was just thinking about it. It's an interesting title, that is. is. Uh, I like the idea. I I like that about it. It's kind of a title where you go, ah, the last train to... I mean, it is set on a train. We should say that. Okay. It's about Tony Towers, a local nightclub owner and celebrity who's engaged to a younger woman, Sue. Uh, things get a little strange when he embarks on the 3.17pm train from London to Nottingham on Christmas Eve for a family reunion. You've done exactly the same thing and I know it. 
Well, I'll, I'll come, <laughs> do you know what? Uh, I'll come to that in a moment. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the, the, I think the first thing to say about this movie is that it is an interesting idea for a Christmas film because it's basically a twist on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, but all set on a train. Oh, yes, but it is. Yeah, it's yep. a good idea. Yep. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, so coming back to what you were just saying there, uh, it's here's the interesting thing. I have done that journey many, many, many times, being originally from Nottingham and the family still being there. Uh, so here's the thing. The film runs at one hour, 57 minutes. Stuart, how long do you think the train journey from <laughs> London to Nottingham takes? No, one hour, 54 minutes. <laughs> That'd be a real it shame, is, wouldn't it? It is without <laughs> delays, one hour fifty-seven minutes. So, <laughs> so Brilliant. this movie runs in real time, like some sort of comedy Christmas Jack Bauer twenty-four. Oh wow, that's which, incredible! You know, I, I think it's such an interesting spin, and I think one that fits perfectly um, into this bit of comfort viewing for this time <laughs> of year. So, Tony yeah. Towers, right? Is, is played by Michael Sheen. I'm a big fan of Michael Sheen. I could watch him, you know. He's uh, great, yes. He, he is. I could yes. watch him read the telephone book, to be honest with you. And to be fair, <laughs> he is. he's instantly watchable and very likable as Tony Towers. There is a slightly seedy slash dark side to him, which we do discover later on, on the train journey. Yet the film, it doesn't really play too heavily on that. Instead, it's very much more about how Tony and his brother Roger, played by Carrie Ouls, the man from The Princess Bride, um, have become two very different people. So over the course of the train journey, and as Tony slips between different time periods of his life and also alternate time periods, it becomes clear that there is resentment on both sides, but they love each other, but they hate each other. Oh, how are we going to get together? Um, And as to be expected, the more Tony travels through different incarnations he starts to discover the true meaning of family i I told you it was dickens i told you it is it is a lightweight movie yeah i think michael sheen makes it entirely watchable he is funny he's a little bit stupid he's slightly big-headed uh when we meet tony early on but later on we do see him become a shell of his former self as he begins to realize that, you know, what he is isn't helping him with his partner, Sue, or with the rest of his family. Yeah. So it does get quite serious in parts. However, there are other times where it is really funny. There is one particular scene in this movie that I was watching it and I thought, well, it's a scene where Tony becomes a train guard and he starts to panic, causing havoc behind the food counter on the train right that scene reminded me a bit of rick mail oh it was really interesting it was only that moment but i sat there and thought this is something rick mail would have done (laughs) it's sort of light slapstick and I, i think clearly michael sheen is Really enjoying playing Tony here. It's not too taxing on him. You know, there are some funny moments, including him trying to do a Nottingham accent. Um, All right, okay. The jury Uh, is still out on that. I'll be honest, me duck. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, look, I I think as a revised version of A Christmas Carol, it's not one of the best I've seen better yet. There is a lot to enjoy here. It does lean heavily on 70s and 80s nostalgia. And 
while there is some the, great hair. The, the there is some brilliant hair. Yeah. There is some brilliant hair. Um, the the black and white finale takes a slightly strange detour that I wasn't really sure worked. But you know, the majority of the film is it, it's one of those films that is like you know on a cold day and you get home and the central heating's on. You lay on the on the sofa watching a film and you get a warm blanket. And you're just like, oh, I'm all snuggly and warm and it's nice. Yes. That's what this movie is. Oh, classic Christmas film. It, yeah, just a, a nice. Yeah, just a nice warm afternoon Christmas movie, not too taxing. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna laugh, you're gonna like the fact that the people in this are all quite likable. Excellent. So Can't last time Christmas. Could you watch it then on your, your journey up to, to Nottingham? Well to imagine imagine that. Imagine <laughs> that. So you're on the train from London to Nottingham, three seventeen, and you're watching it in real time. So when they say Bing bong, next stop, Leicester. You're actually getting to Leicester. What an experience that would be. Can you imagine? And then Mark I mean, that's in, down the carriage. That's inception <laughs> levels, isn't it? That's inception levels. Is it? Oh, yeah. Inception, Christmas inception. <laughs> in sort of. Sort of. <laughs> nice. So this is the last trade of Christmas out on... Uh, so it's in Sky cinemas Cinema? and also on Sky Cinema as well. So if you've got Sky Cinema, you can watch it there as well. Marvellous. And uh, what do you got left for us, Mark? Well, film? slight change here. Um, we're going to talk about a crime movie that is a prequel to one of the greatest TV shows ever made. Uh, so this is The Many Saints of Newark. It's about Dickie Moltisanti, who is making a name for himself in New Jersey. When his nephew, young Anthony Soprano, starts to idolise him, Dickie's influence will help shape the impressionable teenager into becoming the all-powerful mob boss. Oh, okay. Origins so, of Sopranos. The origin, Yes, that's what it is. It is a S- Sopranos prequel. And nice. How do you make a prequel to one of the great shows of all time? You know, and the the answer is really, um, you you know you you make a prequel. That's what it is. And David Chase, who obviously the creator of The Sopranos, uh, has the answer here in this film. Because I would say that if you've never seen The Sopranos, you're probably going to enjoy this film for about seventy percent of it. Okay, yeah. for Sopranos so you- fans. I think you're going to love being back into the world. And that's what this film is. It's a world building film for the Sopranos because yeah. we get so much more information about the Moltisanti family than the show ever gives us. It gives us greater depth and understanding as to why Christopher was like he was in the show. However, this film isn't about the show. Yes, there are nods to it and there's early appearances from several well loved characters, but I think this film stands on its own because what we do is we witness Dickie become this ruthless mobster. We see his quick rise in the ranks, but also his slow decline at the same time. He isn't that much of a complex character, yet his actions are very complex. They all have repercussions across New Jersey. So, you know, so much so that I think there's a really interesting secondary plot about Dickie pushing back on black people working and living in his neighbourhood, even though he has a black person working for him. You know, it is a story from its time period in American history. Mm, That's what David Chase does so well. He takes moments in time that are confrontational 
and yeah. puts them into boxed areas like New Jersey or into selected characters to see how they will react. And all of it, I think, feels very real. And that's the brilliance of David Chase's work. Now, in terms of the young Anthony Soprano, this is where the film could rise or fall, really. For me, I thought it was an astute idea to do a prequel of his formative years and see where he picked up all of the traits and who he was influenced by. So basically, it's kind of the shaping of Tony Soprano. That You know, this is a coming of age of a person who one day will be a feared mob boss and who would... Uh, well, I was about to... I might as well say it, Who will one day be shot dead in a diner, okay? It's not really a spoiler. It's, I don't think it is now. I yeah. don't think it is now. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the issue is, who do you get to play a young Tony Soprano? Well, the, the answer, yeah. surprisingly... Well, not surprisingly, really, because he's an actor in his own right, is James Gandolfini's own son. Now... The issue with that is, with that, is so much responsibility. God, yeah. Can you imagine? That's the thing. Because if you get it wrong, (laughs) you are souring the Gandolfini name in terms of The Sopranos. Yeah. It is real mob boss lifestyle. It it, it is. It It really is. (laughs) Thankfully, Michael Gandolfini is outstanding here. You know, the amount, the, the exact amount of wet behind the ears and tenderness that I think you need in a character at this time in their lives. It's a, it's a really extraordinary performance from him because ultimately this film isn't about The Sopranos, yet it sort of is. Yeah. You know, um, I, th- I think he's great in it. I think uh, Alessandro uh, Nivola is superb as Dickie Moltisanti as well. Uh, brilliant work from the actor because... Are you meant to root for him? Are you meant to hate him? It's kind of this middle line. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think they could not have cast this film any better at all. Vera Farmiga, by the way, as uh, Tony's mom, Livia, she has got the mannerisms, the everything down from what we know Liv as in the TV show. Nice. I, I, Done her homework. I, Honestly, brilliant. I mean, for me, this is a brilliant film and a wonderful, if slightly different, return to a set of characters that many, many, many people around the world absolutely adore. There aren't many film spin-offs of TV shows that are as good as this. I think this is the high watermark now, really. Wow, excellent. It seems kind of unusual to, to do an Origins film rather than a film that comes afterwards to see, after the series. Well, obviously, David Chase doesn't want to do anything afterwards because of what happens yeah, in that diner. In that um, so I can see why he did this. The other thing is that this film is sort of set in the same time period of David Chase's other film that he made that didn't get a big release. Or I'm trying to think of what it was called now. Um, that was about his life growing up. So I can see why he's done something like this. Um, But, I mean, for me, it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Loved it. Loved being back in the Sopranos world. Loved it. Awesome. Your scene. Definitely your scene. Um, So could you watch this without having seen the Sopranos? I I think you can. I think you can. You will still enjoy the characters. But because of all the little nods and the references and, oh, that's who becomes that and whatever else... 
Yeah. Uh, there may be some bits you miss out on. But as a crime story, as a crime origins movie, this is still really good. Nice. So The Many Saints of Newark is uh, out everywhere? DVD? It's uh, DVD and Blu-ray now, yes. On the DVD? Yes. Marvellous. Uh, what you got to watch for us next week, Mark? Uh, so next week, we're going to be back into The Matrix. We're plugging back <gasps> in. Oh, here we go. Matrix You're going back. Matrix Bring your leather jacket. Re- <laughs> I don't think it fits anymore. <laughs> uh, so Matrix Resurrections uh, we've got. Ooh. Then also we've got a new film starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. It's called Don't Look Up. It is a satirical comedy. Uh, we also have a film starring Javier Bardem called Being the Ricardos. And then if if nobody knows this, and I'm quite surprised nobody does because it's been everywhere. And if you haven't seen the film, which I'm also quite surprised because I think everybody's seen this film, No Time to Die finally drops on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, look at that. It's been a little while coming. It has been a little while coming. So we will go back. We will <laughs> revisit it and we will discuss. Does it work a second time round? Oh, excellent. I've seen it twice already. So uh, Oh, well, you see, you'll be in the perfect position. I haven't. I've only seen it once, but by next week, I will have oh, seen it a second time. Oh. Brilliant. I look forward to it. What you got to watch on the telly box for us this weekend? Well, it's the last weekend before Christmas, so I've picked out what some would suggest is the ultimate Christmas movie. Uh, Sunday, 5.40pm on More 4, White Christmas. Oh, the classic. The classic, the classic, absolutely. You know, you can't ask much more than Irving Berlin's White Christmas. You know, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen. I mean, it is a main staple of millions, billions of people's Christmases. And uh, it's just a just a delightful movie from start to finish, an uplifting piece of work. Much like The Eagle Has Landed and Spartacus, if it's not on over Christmas, there will be riots and there stuff. <laughs> So. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, it's very true. <laughs> Marvelous. When? Where? Where's it? Uh, so this is Sunday, five forty p.m. on More Four. Excellent. In the planner, because if it wasn't, it would be weird. It's it's very true. It's very true. And leave it there. Don't delete it. And then you can watch it again next year as well. I probably still got last year's on there, <laughs> <laughs> and the year before that. <laughs> Excellent, Mark. See you next week. We'll do. Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this podcast for years now. We've watched hundreds of films and some of them were actually quite good. For even more reviews or to get next week's film reviews and movie news delivered directly to your device, pop along to stuartpink.com forward slash reviews with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby Film Reviews and Movie News